Welcome everyone this morning, and if you're joining us online, I want to welcome you to Grace Fellowship Church as well, as we continue a short message series about the birth of our Savior and Lord, and the implications of that momentous event on us and on our faith. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through verse 20 this morning. And I hope again as we open up God's Word that you're encouraged by our time together in His Word. It was an encouraging time of worship this morning with you. It's good to hear your voices uh, from up here. We have a little monitor up here where we're supposed to be able to hear ourselves so we know when we get lost or when we're doing things right. And uh, it's so nice whenever we sing and lead music to hear your voices and to hear you sing. And uh, it's great. This year we probably won't be gathering around the piano like in years past uh, with a great group of maybe 30 to 50 sometimes we'll have in our house uh, of people coming to sing um, just because of COVID and all that good stuff. It's been a crazy year, hasn't it? I hope that today's message is encouraging to you as we can, look, we can look back and see God's hand at work, and we can look forward to see what He's going to do. So I'm going to be reading verses 1 through uh, 20, and really our focus is going to kind of start in verse 7, but I want to give you some context anyway, starting with verse 1, reading through verse 20. This is Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, open it up there. I'm going to be reading again from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, starting in verse 1. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared the, uh, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, 
with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from men to heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing which, that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them by, uh, about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Let's pause for a moment and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we need you every hour, every day. Lord, this has been a year of need, constant need. And where our needs are maybe a little more readily available to our senses. I know that there are people in this room who need a special measure of your grace today. That we have family members and friends and neighbors who have been sick this year. Some have died, some have lost loved ones, and some who continue to battle health issues, job loss, family, uh, brokenness within families, challenges. Lord, throughout this year that we can't even numerate. Lord, you know, and you love us. Lord, we ask that you teach us this morning how to treasure your glory. That you teach us this morning that you give us good gifts, even in the midst of a year and a time like this, a time of pain and struggle and turmoil, that you still give your children good gifts. Lord, help us today to treasure your word, to treasure the way that you provide for us, to treasure your faithfulness to treasure your provision. Teach us and mold our hearts today as we come to you, sinners who need your grace and your forgiveness every moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 2020 has been a difficult year indeed, a trying year for many. Where, where does our joy come from? When we sing songs like Joy to the World, the Lord has come, when we talk about this is the season of joy and happiness and we give presents. And I love, I love the idea uh, of Christmas and just how kids eat it up. When I was a kid, I anticipated Christmas. Man, I looked forward to it. Um, after Thanksgiving, I mean, it's all I thought about. And when I was a kid... 
Sears and Roebuck company put out this catalog. We didn't go online because you couldn't go online and search for stuff on Amazon. You know, you, you would pull out mom's latest and it could be a three or four year old catalog. It didn't matter. I mean, the stuff could be out of date, but we would pull out that catalog and we would look at many, many pictures of the toys that we were going to put on our wish list and we'd circle them you know, with a marker or a pencil or something like that. And we would make our list and we would give it to mom, put it on the fridge and it would sit on the fridge and we would wonder for weeks, what would we be getting? We'd be anticipating. And she would have from like, you know, one to five or whatever, our number one gift, like this is the one. And there was always one in there as a kid where I thought, this is a gamble. Probably not gonna get this, but I'm gonna ask big, right? And, uh, oh, I just loved it. We would wake up earlier than any other morning within the year. We would get up early. We would go to bed early the night before, anticipating what was going to happen on Christmas morning. It was fun. It was joyous. And as an adult, you, get, you, you face reality of the everyday and, and working and toiling and losing. And when you're a kid, you don't lose maybe quite as much as you do when you're an adult. You lose loved ones. We've lost family members over the last few months in our extended family because of sickness, because of complications with COVID and things like that. So where does our joy come from? In a moment in time when maybe we can't find very much to be encouraged about or to be joyous about, where does our hope come from? To what or whom may we attribute joyous reminiscence of the year 2020? As we get to the end of the year, are we just looking toward 2021 and we just cannot wait until we ring in the new year, a day of new beginnings? The day which we celebrate as Christmas was not an easy one for Joseph and Mary that first Christmas either. The day that we now celebrate as Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, our King. If we go back in time, as we have in reading this passage, we see that it was not a day of joyous expectation and win after win after win as Joseph and Mary were expecting Jesus to be born. It was actually one closed door after another. It was one disappointment after another. It was one letdown after another. And they just compiled and compiled and compiled. A teenage pregnancy announced by an angel before they were even wed. They had to move for a census while she was pregnant and late in the last term of pregnancy. And we find them alone in a stable with a newborn. Their first. The other day I was talking to someone who um, had a, a couple of children and we were talking about, you know, how when you have your first child, you don't know what to expect. And, and I'm just speaking as the husband, all right? I didn't know what to expect. I'd seen in TV shows and movies all the, you know, horrific scenes of the husband being told he can't be in the room because he just loses, he loses his mind, right? It's like, I didn't want to be that kind of husband or father. And I remember the, the, the day that Hannah, our oldest, was born, and I just was amazed. 
I'd never seen, experienced anything like this. The experience of being a father. The experience of seeing a newborn entering into the world and taking its first breath. And every one of our children, I wanted to be there. I wanted to experience that. There's nothing else like it in the world. New birth. And we want everything to be right for our kids. We want to choose the right hospital. I remember we talked to friends. Where did you have your child? We, you've got to have your baby. We'd hear this all the time. You've got to have your baby in this hospital. It's the best. There was one, one hospital that our friends in church told us, you've got to go there. They're going to, they're going to feed you a steak and lobster. Okay, After you go into recovery or whatever, they're going to feed you this great feast. And I thought, I'm in. I don't care where it is. I don't care what else the amenities are. Steak and lobster, I'm there. Talk about we want the best place, best environment. Well, Joseph and Mary didn't have that. And so when we come to verse 20 and, or verse 19 and we read that after all this has happened, the Bible says about Mary that she treasured up all these things Pondering them in her heart, it makes us wonder what on earth could she possibly be treasuring? If you're a mother, you're thinking, I don't like this scenario. Now, we're reading back onto history. We know the rest of the story, so we read this passage and we're happy. But for a moment, take this story out of context, read it as just a mother if you're a mom in here. And think about this situation. You would come to verse 19 and think, what woman in her right mind would treasure this scenario? Especially if you were carrying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who the earth should be expecting and certainly should be welcoming when He comes. Talk about feeling gypped. What in the world could she possibly be treasuring about in this moment? And what can we treasure in our moment? What can we possibly treasure today in our moment? Can we give Glory to the newborn king today in a way that the glory is due him today. The first thing that we see that she treasured was her own suffering. It gets tricky when you have to read here and you can't see, so you got to put these on. And then when you look at the slide, you can't see it because it's too far, so you've got to take them off. I'm learning, folks. It's, it's tricky business. What was she possibly treasuring? Number one, her own suffering. Her own suffering. Follow with me. In verse 7, the Bible says she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in clothing, cloths, swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, people were 
were traveling from city to city. They had to go back to their own hometown so they could be counted there. So they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem because Joseph was of the household of David and he was going back to Bethlehem, the city of David. And when they get there, no vacancy. You know the story. We know this. It's no surprise. We've heard this story before. But if you're the mother of the Savior of the world, and you come to a city where you're supposed to be, God should know. This is where you're supposed to be. He's sovereign. He knows all things. And yet He doesn't provide a place for you in a hotel. I don't care. It could be a Motel 6. You don't have to put me up in the Hilton. But at least a place with a bed and a pillow and lights and whatever. They didn't have lights back then, but you get the picture. It's better than a barn, right? So imagine what, what could be going through Mary and Joseph's mind if they weren't like us, right? Because we wouldn't complain. We wouldn't have any kind of thoughts of, God, why are you doing this? Could you at least make this kind of comfortable for us? We are bringing the Savior of the world into the world. Obviously, we wouldn't do that, right? We wouldn't complain. We wouldn't have any kinds of thoughts of, God, how could you possibly do this? We see the inconvenience of the inn. I love watching holiday movies. Home Alone is one that we watch sometimes in our family. We watch other ones. One of our new favorites is called The Christmas with the Cranks. If you've never seen this, it's great. But there's always, always indicative of the holiday season in the movies is people are in a hurry. They're in a hurry. They're shopping and they're in a hurry. They're looking for the perfect gift. They're in a hurry. They're at the airport. They've got to make this flight, right? Flights are getting delayed, getting canceled because of bad weather this time of the year. And it always happens when there's somebody famous involved or somebody in authority. They look at the person across the ticket counter or whoever and they, they ask the question, do you know who I am? Right? Like, I should get at the front of the line. I shouldn't have to wait and go through all these things. If anybody could have said to an innkeeper, anywhere on the face of the planet, do you know who I am? It would be Mary and Joseph. Not only do you know who we are, but do you know who this is? I'm, being, I'm acting like I'm Mary, pointing to my belly. <laughs> right? Just so you know. Do you know who this is? If anyone's going to completely part the waters for another human being, it should be this innkeeper at this moment. But Mary and Joseph continue to wait upon the Lord. No reception. But what we find is that God has another plan. Because verse 8 says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, why are these shepherds significant? Mary and Joseph didn't travel through this pasture. So this is not a matter of convenience. 
God's not saying, I'm going to send you to Bethlehem. You're going to walk through this area where there are going to be some shepherds, and I've put all this together. No, they're, they're at an inn. There's no room. They have to go to a barn. Where's God in this? Is God paying attention? Yes, He is. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere present. He knows exactly what He's doing, and He knows where they are. But there are some other people that God wants to bless through Mary and Joseph that Mary and Joseph don't even know exist. And so the Bible says there were some shepherds staying in the region at nighttime. So there's no, there's no fireworks show. There's no appearing in broad daylight when everyone can see. It's at night. It's in a pasture where there are shepherds of all people. What happens in verse 9? An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. You want to talk about a reaction? There's your reaction. God sends messengers to deliver a message, and when they deliver it, the people wake up and listen. Why didn't the innkeeper respond this way? Follow along with what else happens. The angel said to them in verse 10, Do not be afraid. Obviously, this was something supernatural. They were afraid. This was out of the ordinary for them. He says, I bring you good news of great, great joy, which shall be for all the people. In other words, this is not just about Mary and Joseph. This is not just about their situation. Had they told the innkeeper, this is uh, the Messiah, um, I'm going into labor, and we need a place. Now, this was a supernatural news delivery system that God ordains, and they continue to be faithful, even though it's inconvenient. Verse 11 he tells them where to go, and he says this, Today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. We mentioned this last week. This is so important. The angel doesn't say, Go to Bethlehem. There is a man there who stands head and shoulders above all the rest. You will notice him standing by the baggage. I'm referring to Saul in the Old Testament. There has been discovered for you. No. There has been provided for you. No. There has been born for you. A child, fully God, fully man, someone who's going to save you from your sins, not give you a better and stronger economy, not fix all of the problems in the world, but one who's going to save you from your Sin. This is the good news. So why does Mary treasure this? Because she treasures, she treasures her own suffering. Because her own suffering leads to the salvation of others. Of course, it was an inconvenience for them, but sometimes our own suffering can be signposts for others. Sometimes our suffering can be signposts for others. You see what the angel says to them? 
to the, to the shepherds. Notice what he says, what they say in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. This is how you will know. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Isn't that awesome? So they come. And when they come, they tell Mary and they tell Joseph and they tell everybody, this is what the angels told us. They appeared to us and we were afraid and this was totally of God. Out of total darkness, these angels appeared and they're singing glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And they sent us here and they said, you're going to find a baby in a manger and that's going to be a sign for you. And lo and behold, when we came here, guess what we found? A baby lying in a manger. They didn't find an empty manger. Because Mary and Joseph argued and argued and haggled with the innkeeper and said, do you know who we are? And convinced them and twisted their arm and found a place to stay in the inn. No, they embraced their suffering, their momentary suffering, so that eternal salvation could be brought to other people. So I think Mary, when the Bible says she treasured up these things, I believe she's having an aha moment and treasuring up that God is good even in the midst of suffering. If God wants to use you to bring eternal faith and hope to others by obtaining, by ordaining, sorry, temporary pain and suffering to your life, will you rejoice? Will you embrace it? Will you treasure such a gift from God. If He ordains for you to suffer to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced, what if that leads to someone else? What if your pain and suffering was ordained by God so that someone else could see you and your life and your perseverance as a signpost of encouragement for them to continue on and to press on and to seek the Lord. The second thing we see is that she treasured God's faithfulness displayed. The way God works. God works in a different way than we do. The way that we think is like the end scenario. It only makes sense for the very best hotel or inn to be made available for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But it's not the way that God works. The way God works is through shepherds in a field. He works in ways that are not even on our radar. He works by supernatural means. God made a promise. God makes a promise to us about our salvation through Christ. And we see the way that God works here. He, he works in darkness. You see that? The shepherds are out in the middle of nowhere shepherding their flock. It's dark, no lights, no cameras. Nobody taking selfies, 
Nobody getting this on film so that the world can see. It's all for God's glory. Man, we've got our cameras rolling all the time in ministry today. All the time. There's a verse that says, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We need to figure that in to the Christian life. Because we discover that the way God works is even when we don't see Him, there's no lights, no camera, no action. But God speaking in His still small voice and working in the ways that He does to gain Him all the glory and to turn our eyes where they actually need to be, which is on Jesus. A confession as a pastor and a minister of the gospel... This is difficult, not only for Christians, but for ministers. Because as a minister, I mean, there's, there's something to be said for missionaries and pastors and church planters and people who, who answer a call to go where most people will not go. Uh, this season, we celebrate missionaries, international missionaries all across the world who leave the comfort of their own home and leave the expectations that they would have living at home and having the same types of jobs and things like that. They go to places around the world that are completely unreached where people have never heard the gospel. Many of them put in harm's way. Their families put in harm's way. One of our friends, Adam and Susie Hales, who were ministering in Madagascar for many years, who are now on the mainland of Africa, they said that when they would come home, um, they couldn't get used to the food here back in the States again because they were so used to having parasites in their food and living with that. And it was strange for them. When we think of, when we think of the call and how people go wherever God leads, there are a couple of characteristics that we find in, in those types of people. Boldness, courage, risk-taking. But with that, there's this natural well of pride that begins to well up, even in, yes, a missionary's heart who's willing to risk everything, to go anywhere the Lord leads, because we feel like our cause is just, don't we, as Christians? And it wells up in us and it causes pride. And there's something that in our flesh we want. We want to be known. We want people to know what we're doing. We want them to know about the work, but we also like it when our name is attributed to it. You follow me? We want that picture. We want that camera rolling. We want to talk about our ministry in, in these ways and... We have to be very, very careful because God works in a supernatural way that requires humility on our part. If we want to be part of what He's doing, where He receives all the glory, it means that we must be like Mary. Yes, you just heard that from a Protestant evangelical pastor. We must be more like Mary in that we treasure anonymity. 
We treasure our name being completely left out of things and the name of Jesus being high and lifted up. We treasure the supernatural, not the things that, wow, look what I did, look what I was a part of. All that can be attributed to human nature and to human work. That's not what we want. We want to see God working, amen? And I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage you that when we talk about ministry here at Grace, when we talk about ministry here in Maricopa, there are a lot of things that we do. There are a lot of things that we, ways that we minister to people and things that we do missiologically. We go out and we share our faith. We do door hangers. We put on events. We help the school do things like we're doing this week. But the only thing that's going to change the life of a lost person is the power of God. That's it. God has to work. He has to move. He has to do the work. And I want to encourage you because it's very easy to get discouraged. Emily and I were walking the other day. and We were walking down our street on Yucca Lane. And from, end, from one end of our street to the, to the turnoff on the other end, not the entire street, but just this one little section. There are probably 20 to 30 homes. So 10 to 15 on our side and 10 to 15 on the other side. And we're looking at for sale signs. We've only been there for four years. Four years uh, this month, right? Only been there for four years this month. And we started counting. started counting all the homes that have changed hands in the last four years. Just four. And what we discovered from one end of our street to the other is I think us and maybe two, one or two, two neighbors across the street are the only ones on our street who've lived there for the last four years. Everyone else has moved and other people have moved in. And some of those homes have sold twice in the last four years. And we can get discouraged by seeing neighbors and residents come into Maricopa in and out, in and out, in and out. And that is the history of Maricopa since 2001. And all these people started moving in. So many people have moved out. It can be discouraging. But what I want you to see, and I hope that you put your faith and your trust in, is that you are part of a supernatural work of God. When you share the gospel and when you are salt and light in your community, you, that is, you don't know the impact that you make on people this side of heaven. And so Mary, as she's going through all of this, no room in the inn, have my child in a barn. You know, Joseph could never say to Jesus, like my dad said to me, shut that door. What, were you born in a barn? Jesus like, uh, dad, actually, yeah. Can't do that with that kid. Maybe do it with all the rest of them. When she's thinking about all these things, what is God doing? Is, is this working? Is this, I mean, God said, 
my son is going to be the savior of all the world. Is this going to happen? It's going to happen. You know how it's going to happen? Through the power of God. And God is going to use you and Grace Fellowship Church, not in our own strength, but by his power. And this is how we can have joy and treasure these things, just like Mary did. If you're wondering whether you're here or watching online, whether or not God can change your life, can change your heart, He can supernaturally turn your life around. You can't imagine how He's going to do it, but you must trust that He will. He will be faithful to His promise. And then the final thing. We come to verse 19 and we read that Mary is treasuring all these things in her heart. And in this moment in verse 19, time has transpired. And now Jesus is lying in a manger. She receives the news. Wow, God is working. He is doing something. Angels. Now she knows that she was visited by an angel, that an angel told her, but is he telling anybody else? Does anyone else know about this? How is God going to work all this out? And these shepherds show up and say, we were visited by angels. This was amazing. They told us where to look. They said, this is going to be a sign. And I just imagine her heart being full full of the good news. And then the Bible says that they leave, these shepherds. Verse 20, the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. These shepherds were on fire. They told everyone that they saw you know, sometimes we, we see people or we even see means of getting the word out, getting the gospel out, and we think that's going to really work. It's worked in other ways. Maybe we even think as church in terms of Christian marketing. How do we tell people, the how do we get the gospel out, get the word out? How do we tell people that we're a church and we compare other means of doing that? You can't beat a group of dirty shepherds being visited by a bunch of angels who frighten them half to death and send them to a little city looking for a baby who's supposedly going to be lying in a feeding trough. How do you motivate those guys? I'll tell you what, they're motivated. They're going. And now, now the work is done. All that Mary is wondering about, the work. How's the work going to get accomplished? How's God going to do this? How are people going to know? God has His supernatural way. And now we find in verse 19, Mary is treasuring up these things, and she's also treasuring up the fact that she can spend time with her child. Doesn't have to worry about the work. Doesn't have to wonder how, how's God going to make all this happen now she can spend time with Jesus 
It's such, a, it's such a special moment. And I speak as a father of five. And so forgive me. But I can remember each time, our, each one of our children, when they were born, where they were born, what it was like. Emily can probably remember the clothing we sent them home in, their little go-home outfit, you know, let's make a big deal out of that. But I remember the moments in recovery in the hospital, their first bath, the moment that the doctor and the nurses, usually it's the nurses because they do all the work, wrap the baby up and lay the baby right next to mom. Oh, man, what a special moment for, for mom and for baby. But wow, I can imagine in this moment, this is what Mary is treasuring up, that she gets to spend time with her Jesus. And if we're not careful, when we think about this, the hardship of this year, and we get to this time of the year where we're scrambling to try to make everybody happy and appease the people in our family and do the things we're supposed to do and get presents and make all the right things food-wise and all those things that we just completely miss spending time with our Jesus, spending time with the Savior. And we end up treasuring the wrong things. Mary and Joseph let God do the work of announcing while they worshiped. There's nothing, nothing more exciting not only seeing a, a newborn and your baby being born but also announcing it whether it's hey we're pregnant or we just had a child or whatever it's a lot of fun today on social media you'll find these weirdos out there doing gender reveals I'm just kidding I'm not trying to judge anybody you see them though right Gender reveal, so they'll take, a, uh, they'll take a balloon, this is like one way, or an Easter egg or something like that, fill it with like blue powder, and then fill another one with like pink powder, or maybe they'll just do one. Anyway, and the, and the, the mother will toss it up to the, to the young father-to-be, and he'll take a baseball bat and he'll hit it, and then all the powder explodes, and if it's pink, they're having a girl, right? If it's blue... They're having a boy. And some parents today are saying, we're going to let our kids choose their sex. That's for another sermon. Okay, we're not going to talk about that today. But the gender reveals, and I love watching the expressions on these parents' faces. Because after you've been a mom and dad for a while and you look at their joy, you go, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're in for. Oh man, diapers. We were just talking the other day about how many diapers we've changed in our lifetime. But it's over now as parents. Emily's like, no, we're going to change grandbaby's diapers too. Someday, maybe, God willing. The anticipation of announcing that. Now imagine you're announcing. We all have hopes for our kids. You know, what's, what's she going to grow up to do to be? What kind of person is she going to be? What kind of person is he going to be? You know? What do you think the expectations were for Jesus by Mary and Joseph? The anticipation of that announcement. 
wanting to tell every single person, wanting the announcement to be the biggest news you've ever shared, but waiting, waiting for God to do the work, treasuring these things up, living in anonymity, depending upon God, treasuring these things up, allowing Him to work, and letting Him announce the good news and doing the work while she spent time with Jesus. How will you treasure the glory of God? How will you treasure Jesus this season? I think we can treasure Him by doing some of these same things. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's challenging and it's encouraging to us. It's been a rough year. Continues to be very trying. We anticipate more sickness to spread. We anticipate changes maybe in our economy. And we just really don't know what to expect in the coming months, the coming days. And we live in expectation of certain things. God, it's very difficult sometimes to live in expectant joy and to treasure things like suffering in our hearts. Lord, help us to understand that that suffering can be a signpost for someone else. Give us strength in those times of suffering. God, keep us focused upon your promise that your plans are good for your people. Father, help us to treasure Jesus this season, not just the season and not just the things that are supposed to point to Him, not just the things that we celebrate in remembrance of Him, but Father, that we would enjoy the presence of Christ in our hearts and our communion with Him and that all other things would flow from that. And that our hearts would sing, Glory to the newborn King this season. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.